What is up, everybody? I'm your host, JT. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I'm going to be giving you guys my NFL divisional round preview and predictions. We're going to be breaking down, talking about all of the divisional round matchups. Let's start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars going on the road to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are a eight and a half point favorite going into this matchup. And I've been really annoyed with the analysis about this game. It seems like nobody thinks the Jaguars have any chance at beating the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at what the Jaguars did last week against the Los Angeles Chargers, right? They come back down 27-0. And all people say is, well, it was a great performance by the Jacksonville Jaguars, but the Chargers choked. I don't know if last week was a lot of people's first time watching the Jaguars play all season long, but that was not their first time coming back down multiple possessions. They did the same thing against the Baltimore Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys. So for people to kind of undermine the Jaguars' comeback against the L.A. Chargers, it kind of blows me. You look at Kansas City, Kansas City isn't even the best team in the AFC. They lost to both the Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. And I don't want it to seem like I'm hating on the Kansas City Chiefs, but I just feel like a lot of people are being fairly one-sided when it comes to talking about this matchup. It seems like nobody thinks that Jacksonville has any shot at winning this game. Did you watch the first game between these two teams? Jacksonville left a couple of opportunities to score on the field. They missed two field goals. If they would have connected on those two field goals, this would have been a one-possession game. Kansas City won 27-17, but the score, I promise you, was a lot closer than what the scoreboard may indicate. Jacksonville came into that game on the attack. The first play, opening kickoff, they kicked an onside freaking kick. Like Jacksonville was ready for that Kansas City Chiefs game. And in this matchup, the second go around, I expect this game to be fairly close. Now, can Jacksonville win is a different question. But can Jacksonville cover that plus eight and a half? I have a lot of confidence that they can. You got to remember, although... The Chiefs, in many people's eyes, are viewed as the best team in the AFC. This team has had some really questionable performances. Like when they had to beat Houston in overtime. They almost lost to the Tennessee Titans at home with Malik Willis at quarterback. So, I am really surprised that people continue to doubt the Jacksonville Jaguars over and over again. The Jacksonville Jaguars have a very good chance at winning this game. You want to know why? Because they have the top young gun at quarterback, Trevor freaking Lawrence. Yeah, he threw four interceptions in the first half against the LA Chargers, but it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. And he finished strong and he led his team to the victory, and that's what you want to see out of your franchise quarterback. And I've been telling people this all season long, that Trevor Lawrence is Andrew Luck-esque. You remember them early Indianapolis Colts teams when they had Andrew Luck really early into his career? As long as they surrounded him with a decent roster and a solid supporting cast, he was able to take Indianapolis pretty far in the postseason. They even went to the AFC Conference Championship game. That's when they had the infamous Deflategate game. 
So if Trevor Lawrence comes into this game and he only has one interception and he has an outstanding performance, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have an opportunity to win this game. This is a team that is mainly driven by the performance of their young quarterback. And when Trevor Lawrence plays good, nine times out of ten, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be in a tightly contested ball game. And I've yet to see a game where Trevor Lawrence has played well and Jacksonville has been flat out blown out. Not to mention, Trevor Lawrence has a really good supporting cast. You got Travis Etienne, 20 carries, 109 rushing yards, over 5 yards per attempt against the Chargers. Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones. He has a really good group of receivers, tight ends to get the football out to. The Kansas City Chiefs, their defense has been really good. As a matter of fact, this may be one of the best defenses that Andy Reid has ever had during his time being the head coach of the Chiefs. This defense is really good at getting pressure on the quarterback. They're second in the NFL in sacks per game. Their secondary is I. I think that if this pass rush isn't able to get home on Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence is allowed time to throw the football, I think this Chiefs secondary is going to get carved up. But their run defense is pretty exceptional. This defense against the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be a really interesting matchup. The Jacksonville Jaguars have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, quietly. Nobody really thinks about it. Nobody really talks about how good this offensive line has been in pass protection and run blocking. So against that defensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs and that pass rush led by Chris Jones, that's going to be a really intriguing matchup. Jacksonville defensively is way better than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. People keep looking at the damn stats. Stop looking at the freaking stats and watch these damn games. Over the last month, the Jaguars defense has low-key won them a couple of games. Did you think the Jaguars offense came back by themselves? They just scored all the points. Somebody had to hold the Chargers to three second-half points. Who did it? Who came up with two big takeaways to win the division against the Tennessee Titans? Who came up with the walk-off pick six against the Dallas Cowboys to win the game for the Jags at home in overtime? So this is a team that defensively, when you look at the stats, the statistics don't show how good this defense has actually played over the last month. The stats just showed you how good the defense has been over the course of the whole entire season, including first and second half. What you need to do is look at how good this Jacksonville defense has been the last four weeks. It's been outstanding. Yeah, you may not have a lot of elite pieces on the defense, but you do have a defense that is able to come up with big stops and big moments. This defense has rose to the occasion several times this year. You're going against a team in Kansas City that, yeah, this offense has been one of the best in the NFL, but they have had a tendency to come out flat. Same way Jacksonville has a tendency offensively to come out slow. It's just that for Kansas City, you have Patrick Mahomes, and when you come out slow, you don't have four interceptions out of him, unlike Trevor Lawrence. But I think for the Jaguars starting slow, it's more of them being a young team. 
trying to get into the flow of the game. Sometimes they get into these big games and it takes them a while to get locked in. Meanwhile, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs on the other hand, this is a team that just at times they can be a little bit careless with the football. And it's not a Patrick Mahomes issue. It's just an overall team issue. And you saw what happened last week when the Bills played the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins were a several point underdog. What? They were a 14 and a half point underdog going into that game. Buffalo was up 17-0. After that, the turnover bug strikes. And then we see the Dolphins and the Bills in a dogfight. A game that nobody expected to be close ended up being close because of the Bills having a quarterback that's super reckless with the football. And in the playoffs, one thing that you cannot do when you are the more talented team is turn the football over. Because when you're playing against a team that has a capable quarterback like a Trevor Lawrence, if you turn the football over, they can make you pay. This was a Jaguars team that the last time they played, they didn't force too many turnovers, but they did get an interception on Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes has been fantastic this season. 41 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. He's thrown for 5,250 yards. He is the unanimous MVP, the runaway MVP. But he does have a tendency to give you some opportunities to come away with turnovers just because his playing style, he's a risk taker. He's a gambler at times. This is somebody that, look at all the all of the crazy throws that he makes. I saw one play against the Denver Broncos. I think it was the first time they played. It looked like he was about to get tackled for a loss or he ends up breaking out of the sack. He runs out of pocket. It looks like he's about to run the football. He ends up flipping it to the last minute to number one. And I'm just like, bro, how the hell did you make that play? So Patrick Mahomes, he does a lot of fantastic things. He'll make a lot of OMG throws. He'll have a lot of WTF moments. But he'll also have some moments that make you go, Patrick, what were you doing? And those are the moments that can keep Jacksonville in this game. Now, the Chiefs defense is really good at stopping the run. Travis Etienne... I think has been a really underrated part of this Jaguars offense. Not when it comes to Jags fans, but when it comes to the national media, we don't really talk about him all that much. So for Travis Etienne, if he gets slowed down in this game and the Jags have to rely on Trevor Lawrence to win this game with his arm, I don't think it matters all that much. The Jags to win this game they got to win it with Trevor Lawrence anyway so if they have to win it being one-dimensional I don't really think it matters all that much at the end of the day when it comes to beating Kansas City you have to be able to outplay Patrick Mahomes or you at least need your quarterback to play as good as Mahomes or up to elite level to beat Patrick Mahomes especially in the playoffs No team in the playoffs is beating Patrick Mahomes from a subpar performance from their quarterback. If you want to beat Patrick Mahomes, you need your quarterback to play as good as him or rise up to the level as him. If Jacksonville has success running the football, that's cool. But at the end of the day, this game is still going to come down to Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence and how he performs in this game is going to dramatically dramatically impact If the Jaguars can not only keep this game close, but if they can win, it's really tough to win on the road in Arrowhead. 
They're 7-2 at home this season. They're one of the best teams in the NFL when it comes to being able to take care of business in the postseason. So for Jacksonville, you're a young team. You haven't been here before. Well, you've been here before, but you haven't been here before, if that makes sense. Yes, you've been on the road in Arrowhead, and you've had a really competitive game against them, regardless of what the final score shows. You know, that game was a little bit closer than what some may think. And if the ball would have bounced in Jacksonville's favor on a couple of possessions, they potentially might have been able to win that game. You're going against Patrick Mahomes, who in the fourth quarter isn't that great at taking care of the football. He has six interceptions and six touchdowns in the fourth quarter of games. For Jacksonville, you keep this game close in the fourth quarter, you feel really good about your chances of winning this thing. I'm still taking the Chiefs to win, but I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars to cover. The reason why I don't think Jacksonville is going to be able to win this game, I don't think they have enough yet. I think they're two or three pieces away from being able to beat a team like Kansas City in the postseason. I think that they're missing an elite deep threat at wide receiver. Yes, they have a good group of receivers, but they don't have anybody who can take the top off the defense. You're missing. You still need Trayvon Walker to become what you envisioned him becoming when you drafted him number one overall in the draft last year. And I think you probably could use... A little bit more help at cornerback, okay? The cornerback play hasn't been bad from Jacksonville, but at the same time, I feel it could be a little bit better when you're trying to slow down the offense. Like a Kansas City, you would love to have an elite shutdown level corner. I'm taking the Chiefs to win, but I do think the Jacksonville Jaguars will cover. I think this game is going to end up being 31-28 Kansas City. Giants versus the Eagles. The trilogy continues. This is the third time this season these two teams have matched up against each other. And the last two times they faced off, the Eagles have won. The first time they played, the Eagles won this game and it wasn't even close. It was 48-22. The second go around, the Giants were more competitive, but the Eagles weren't playing at full strength. They were resting their starters for the postseason. So, For the New York Giants, what do you have to do to win this game? Well, first of all, you got to get Daniel Jones way more involved on the ground than you did the first go around when you played the Philadelphia Eagles. The first time when they got blown out by Philadelphia, Daniel Jones didn't do much on the ground. He had four carries for 26 rushing yards. And although he did a touchdown, he didn't have the same impact on the ground in that first matchup against Philadelphia that he did in last week's win over the Minnesota Vikings. Against Minnesota, Danny Dines was damn near unstoppable. He had over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, no turnovers, and he had 17 carries for 78 rushing yards. You need his mobility to be a big part of his game in this matchup. Not just because of what he can do on the ground, but also because of his ability to extend plays and buy time for these receivers to get open. And let's face it, if you're a New York Giants fan, you know that you're you're outmatched up front. Going against this stout defensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah, your offensive tackles are okay. You got Andrew Thomas, 
You have Evan Neal, who's been up and down. But the interior of your offensive line should be a major concern. Not to mention, you gave up three sacks against the Minnesota Vikings, and you gave up a couple the first time you played the Philadelphia Eagles. Not to mention the Philadelphia Eagles, it seemed like although they weren't getting sacks every single play against you in that first game, it seemed like they was in the backfield getting a hit on Daniel Jones damn near every single play. So you got to get Daniel Jones involved on the ground, utilizing his legs, and also you got to use that mobility to extend plays because you're not going to be able to beat this Philadelphia Eagles team just strictly from asking Daniel Jones to throw the ball inside the pocket. And I don't say that as a knock on Daniel Jones. I'm saying that as a testament to how good this defensive line of Philadelphia is and how much of a mismatch their defensive line is versus your offensive line. If the Giants are going to win this game, they're going to have to be able to do it still their way. But at the same time, they're going to have to get a little innovative. And of course, they're more than capable of being able to do that because of Brian Dable, the job he's done all season long, and how good this coaching staff has been. Mike Kafka, their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, Wheat Martindale had a fantastic game plan, shutting down that Minnesota Vikings offense. He held Justin Jefferson to only seven receptions for 47 receiving yards. They slowed down the rushing attack of Dalvin Cook. So... The coaching staff has been fantastic, but this is probably going to have to be from this point forward, from the divisional round to however else far they go, they have to be coaching the best games of their whole entire lives. You're not only facing a team that is just as well coached as you, but also more talented. You're not facing the Minnesota Vikings this week. The Minnesota Vikings, we knew that offensively, they were going to be a challenge. But defensively, nobody was scared of that defense. And you got to think, although the Giants offensively had a fantastic performance, a good amount of that success can be attributed to the fact that the Vikings defense wasn't great. You're going against the Philadelphia Eagles, who have had one of the best defenses in the NFL for the whole entire season. Not only are they talented, but they have a lot of depth. Across the board at every single position. It's a dude named Reed Blankenship. A safety who they drafted. Or I don't even know if they drafted him or not. But all I know is he's a rookie. Didn't really know too much of him. And this guy's been balling for the Philadelphia Eagles. So that tells you how much depth they have at every level. On their defense and on their offense. I mean offensively. You have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. You got to worry about the dual threat ability of Jalen Hurts. Like, for Wing Martindale, I'm just glad I'm not in his shoes trying to figure out a game plan for slowing down this Philadelphia Eagles offense because it's a handful. So for the coaching, when it comes to that being an advantage in this game, I don't really think it is. As a matter of fact, I think when it comes to the coaching matchup, I think it's pretty fair. I think it's pretty evenly balanced. The Eagles got a fantastic coaching staff. Their offensive coordinator is in talks for getting a couple of head coaching jobs. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, you're going against a fantastic coaching staff in the New York Giants. Brian Dable, coach of the year. Their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator are in head coaching talks. 
But I don't think the Giants are going to be able to out-scheme their way to a win in particular. This isn't the Minnesota Vikings. You're going to have to not only be able to out-scheme Philadelphia, but you still have to find a way to do what got you here. And that's running the football with Saquon Barkley. Now, Saquon Barkley didn't have to be the star against Minnesota Vikings, but he definitely has to be the star in this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. There's no way you're going to be able to win this game with Saquon Barkley only having nine carries for 28 yards. You got to find ways to get him the ball. And it doesn't just have to be handing him the football several times. It can be getting him out wide, lining him up in the slot, hoping that you can get him matched up against a safety or a linebacker, or maybe you can find a way to get some screen passes going to him. You just got to get Saquon Barkley the ball. These receivers aren't going against old man Patrick Peterson. They're going against James Bradbury, Darius Slay. They're going against one of the best secondaries in the NFL. So I'm going to have a hard time picturing guys like Isaiah Hodges, who else? Um, Darius Slayton having the performance that they had against Minnesota against this Philadelphia Eagles defense. It's going to be tough. Not to mention Daniel Jones isn't going to have a lot of time to throw the football. So you got to get the ball out fast, and you got to get it to your best playmaker on offense, and that is Saquon Barkley. Listen, I love Richie James. I love a great story. I love a fantastic underdog story of guys who come out of nowhere and make an impact. But in the postseason, you need guys also who are dogs, and you need your best players To make big plays. Get Saquon Barkley the damn football. He needs to have at least 25 or 30 touches in this game. The offensive line, big concern. Okay, defensively, the strength of your defense is the defensive line. You want to force Philadelphia when they end up throwing the football to keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket. Try to see if you can eliminate his mobility, and force him to beat you with his arm. Now, if you're an Eagles fan, I don't want you getting all riled up in the comment section. I'm not trying to say Jalen Hurts can't throw the football. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is that if you're the New York Giants, you want Jalen Hurts to beat you in the pocket because it plays to the strength of your defense, and the strength of New York's defense is what? Their defensive line. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, okay, Kayvon Thibodeau, their pass rush, their defensive line is the meat and potatoes of their defense. So therefore, if Philadelphia ends up becoming one-dimensional and they start airing the football out, you're kind of playing into the strength of what this defense is, and that's their defensive line. Now, Although this defense statistically isn't great at anything, they don't do a great job statistically against the run, even though they were pretty good against Minnesota. They don't force a lot of takeaways. They're solid against the pass. But I think what this defense does a great job at is being good situationally. Against Minnesota, fantastic job getting off the field on third down situations. They're good in the red zone, top 10 in red zone defense. They're top five in third down defense. So this is a team that situationally knows how to get the ball back to their offense. They know how to get off the field. And against this Philadelphia Eagles offense, 
If you can put them into third down situations, I think that votes well for Wink Martindale. That's what you're trying to do. You got to be able to win on those early downs. I don't think the Giants want the Philadelphia Eagles to have success running the football on first and second down and setting them up with third and manageable. If you want to have a chance at beating Philadelphia, you got to put them in those third and long situations, throwing the football at Jalen Hurts, getting your pass rush going, and hopefully you can slow down these receivers with Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. That first game, Devontae Smith called a touchdown where I thought the safety, I think it was Julian Love, I thought he was going to get the interception, and yet Devontae Smith still came down with the ball and the touchdown. I was hell of lost. I was like, what the hell just happened? The safety really just let that happen? So for the New York Giants... Can you limit the big plays? Can you keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket? Can you get off the field, third down, hold them in the red zone the field goals? And offensively, you need your run game to be effective. Saquon, Daniel Jones are going to be a major part of that. Now for the Philadelphia Eagles, this defense is fantastic. They can force turnovers. They're number one in pass defense, not only because they have a fantastic secondary, but you couple that with a fantastic pass rush. The run defense is probably their weakness, even though it's not really that much of a weakness, but statistically it is. But against the New York Giants, we already know they're going to key in on trying to slow down Saquon because they already know the same thing that most of us already know. The way the New York Giants are going to have success in this game offensively is by running the football. If they get into a game where they got to throw the football several times with Daniel Jones, you feel pretty good about that if you are an Eagles fan. The team not going to take the win this game, taking the Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles pretty much are the most talented team in the playoffs right now. They're stacked at every single position, offensive line, running back, receiver, defensive line, linebacker, cornerback. I mean, damn. So for the New York Giants, although they are a well-coached team, being a well-coached team only gets you so far until you play another team that has great coaching and a better roster. I think the Philadelphia Eagles not only win this game, but they win it convincingly. I'm taking the Eagles 38 to 14 to win this game. Bengals versus Bills. This is the game that I've been waiting all season long for. We didn't really get to see it in the first time they met up on Monday Night Football because of the situation with Demar Hamlin. Great to see DeMar and good spirits doing well when it comes to his recovery. When it comes to this game, though, for those of you guys who've been listening to the podcast dating back to before the season started, I said that whoever wins between the Bengals and the Bills was going to be the team who represents the AFC and the Super Bowl. Now, that's because I thought that this was going to be the AFC Conference Championship game. Bengals-Bills was my AFC Championship game prediction. But we're getting this game in the divisional round. But same principles still apply in my book. I think the winner of this game is going to end up winning the AFC. Both of these two teams have beaten Kansas City. So you look at Cincinnati. And they do something that the Buffalo Bills 
don't do a good job at. And that's taking care of the freaking football. Joe Burrow has been the best fourth quarter quarterback in the NFL this season. He had a really good game against the Baltimore Ravens, although it may not have been the most impressive game from a box score standpoint, 32 of 32 or 23 of 32 for 209 passing yards, completed 71% of his passes, one touchdown, zero interceptions. You can trust Joe Burrow to take care of the football. The question is, can you trust Josh Allen to take care of the football? And it's really strange how Josh Allen is better taking care of the football playing from behind than he is when he's playing ahead. And we saw that on full display in their win over the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins were what? A 14 and a half point underdog walking into that wild card round matchup. The Bills go up 17-0 and then Josh Allen just starts being completely reckless. And there was a point during that game where I really was looking at Josh Allen and I was saying to myself, bruh, Josh Allen looks like he has low-key regressed during this game. And all season long, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills have been turnover-prone. They haven't really done a great job at taking care of the football, but they've been able to overcome those turnovers because they're just so damn talented. But against the Cincinnati Bengals, you have that kind of performance that you had against the Miami Dolphins. And I promise you, you're not only going to be in a close game, but you're going to end up walking out with an L. Against a better quarterback, not named Skylar Thompson, you most definitely lose that game. Your defense was able to bail you out a couple of times, but that's because you were going against Skylar Thompson. Now, I'm not saying that your defense may not be able to buy you a couple of breaks or two against the Cincinnati Bengals, because although they do have Joe Burr at quarterback and a fantastic group of wide receivers, they're banged up on the offensive line. They got three injuries. They're down three starters. Jonah Williams, Lael Collins. They got another person who's out. And it's like, damn, Cincinnati spent all this money in the offseason to revamp and improve this offensive line just to be back in the same situation that they were last year. But guess what? Cincinnati, they're not scared. They know how to win, not having great play from the offensive line. But at the same time, though, you give a team like Cincinnati a couple of extra possessions and they can make you pay. So for the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen's turnover problems are extremely concerning. And people got to understand this. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes with their playing styles and, you know, the way they go about trying to make certain plays happen. They're super aggressive. So you're going to have some years like this one when Josh Allen is racking it up in the turnover department. But this team, defensively, they're going to be able to neutralize that Cincinnati Bengals offense at times. And I think the biggest matchup when it comes to deciding who's going to win this game is going to come to the perimeter. The Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers versus the cornerbacks and the defensive backs of the Buffalo Bills. When you're facing Cincinnati... You know, ideally, when you think of teams who go far in the postseason, most of the times it's teams that have great offensive line play. But Cincinnati is this rare outlier because although they don't have a good offensive line at the moment, they're so good 
at being able to generate big plays that you could put them in second and long, third and long, and they can get half that yardage back and put themselves in fourth and manageable. They're able to generate big plays at such a consistent level that even though their offensive line isn't great, you still have confidence at their ability to have success because of these receivers' abilities to win one-on-one. Let's be honest, bro. Nobody is bold enough to play Complete man-to-man coverage on Cincinnati's receivers all game long. And that's a big reason why it's so hard to stop this offense. So if you're Leslie Frazier and you're Sean McDermott, you're going to have to be talking to your cornerback and saying, hey, Kyrie Elam, you better win. We need you to slow down T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. We need Trey White to be able to take away, you know, Jamar Chase. Not to mention, we can't forget about Hayden Hurst. So for the Buffalo Bills, defensively, against these Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers, this is going to be a really big matchup. I think this is what is going to win or lose this game for both teams. You allow these Bengals wide receivers to win their matchups, and you allow Joe Burrow to get the ball out fast, Cincinnati's going to torch you. But if you can... You know, slow down this pass attack and you can slow down these receivers and you can get home and you can get pressure on Joe Burrow. That's where this game is going to be won and lost at. You saw how the Super Bowl went. The Bengals pretty much had control of that game until the final remaining minutes. And on their final drive, that's where their lack of talent on the offensive line really hurt them. For the Buffalo Bills, you got to be able to slow down these receivers. Now, the run game for Cincinnati has been pretty good, even though you wonder how committed Cincinnati will remain to the run game in a game like this. If Cincinnati doesn't have success running the football early, do you think they shy away from it? If this ends up being the game that ends up going into shootout territory, how much confidence do they have in that run game? That run game is going to be big because if Cincinnati can't be able to stay balanced, they're going to have to rely on Joe Burrow to win throwing the football, and there's no problem with that. But when you look at the success that the Buffalo Bills have had this season, generating pressure on the quarterback, you got to remember, when Von Miller went down early, everybody was asking, what's happening to the pass rush? Where's the production going to come from? You got Ed Oliver, AJ Epinesa, Gregory Russo. You have a really good pass rush and a really good group of guys who you can bring in, who can all get pressure on the quarterback. So if Cincinnati ends up being one-dimensional in this game and they can't run the football, I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Now, the Buffalo Bills, okay, the Buffalo Bills, they're going against a Cincinnati Bengals team that, unlike you, takes care of the football. So, therefore, you need Josh Allen to maybe only have two turnovers or less. Really, you want him to have no turnovers. But if Josh Allen only has two turnovers or less, I think that's a win. Now, outside of the turnovers... Josh Allen is a dog. He pretty much is the second best quarterback in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes. If you're looking for somebody who is identical to Patrick Mahomes, who can go toe-to-toe with him and match Patrick Mahomes throw for throw, it's Josh Allen. And these receivers, they show up in the big games. Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, you're going against a secondary in Cincinnati that was getting carved up by Tyler freaking Huntley. Tyler Freaking 
Huntley. And remind you that the Ravens are not a passing team. <laughs> you know, four wide to them is having several tight ends on the field. And when you're getting carved up by a team that doesn't really get a lot of production out of the receivers, that's a problem. You look at Dawson Knox and what he's done all this season long for the Buffalo Bills, especially in the red zone. How is Cincinnati going to game plan for that? So we were talking about the matchup of the Bengals wide receivers versus the defensive backs of the Buffalo Bills. When you look at a matchup of the Bills receivers versus the secondary of the Cincinnati Bengals, I kind of want to say it's a little bit of a mismatch. The second cornerback spot for Cincinnati concerns me. You do have Mike Hill in, Chidobio Wouzier. You got Jesse Bates, but Von Bell is kind of having a little bit of a down season. His 2022 or his 2021 campaign, excuse me, was way better than the season he's had this year. He hasn't been bad, but he was a lot better last year. So I think that the Buffalo Bills could have a good amount of success when it comes to being able to generate big plays. And I definitely think that that second cornerback spot of Cincinnati is definitely going to be a huge concern of mine. You have Cam Taylor-Britt there, Eli Apple there. So don't really know how many big plays the Cincinnati Bengals are going to give up in this game. I think they're going to give up a good amount. Now, the Bills have a fantastic defense. They're fourth in rushing yards per game allowed. They don't really give up too many points. Not to mention, they're fantastic getting off the field in situations such as third down. They limit teams in the red zone. They have a fantastic pass rush. And when you're going against the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the most important things is being able to get off the field in third down. I think that Joe Burrow, one thing that isn't talked about enough is how fantastic he is in third down situations the guy doesn't make too many mistakes on third down and as long as he has a little bit of protection he moves the chains more times than not and although he isn't the kind of athlete that Josh Allen is he can make you miss there were a couple of instances this season where he's made two three defenders miss and it's kind of taking me by surprise. I was kind of like, damn, I didn't know Joe Burrow could do that. I didn't know he was capable of doing that. So for the Buffalo Bills, when it comes to these third down situations, you got to get Joe Burr and company off the field because this is where they can really make their killing. Now, my keys to this game for both teams is who can limit the big plays? Both of these offenses are fantastic at generating big plays in the passing game, especially for the Buffalo Bills. You can generate big plays in the passing game and on the ground with Josh Allen's scrambling ability. You look at these receivers of the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and uh, T. Higgins versus Teron Johnson. You have the potential of Kyrie Elam having to start. He had a pretty good performance against the Miami Dolphins this rookie season. For the most part, it's been a little bit underwhelming. And for the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, can you take advantage of Kyrie Elam? Somebody who has struggled as a rookie. So that Bengals receivers versus Bill's secondary matchup, that's going to be probably the biggest matchup that determines who wins or who loses this game. The team I'm going to take the win, I'm taking I'm taking the Bengals. And this probably is going to surprise a lot of people. 
The reason why I'm taking Cincinnati is not because of their offense. I'm taking Cincinnati because of their defense. Their defensive coordinator is really good at making second-half adjustments. And I remember the adjustments that they made in the second half of that AFC Championship game last year on the road in Arrowhead. They held Patrick Mahomes to 55 or 56 passing yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. I think their defensive coordinator is going to have a fantastic game plan when it comes to giving Josh Allen a lot of problems. You know, Josh Allen is a fantastic quarterback, but he is somebody who can be extremely reckless with the ball at times. If you can get your pass rush going or you can get some good blitz packages going on them and they can hit home, you can also force turnovers that way because when it comes to him taking care of the ball inside the pocket, his ball security can also be reckless at times as well. I just like the Cincinnati Bengals. I really feel like this Cincinnati defense steps up in the postseason. Like all throughout their playoff run last year, their defense made nothing but big play after big play and big moments in every single game. And you saw that last week when their defense forced that fumble by Tyler Huntley on the quarterback sneak and it got scooped up and recovered 98 yards for that touchdown that pretty much sealed the win for Cincinnati. So I think that this defense could potentially make a similar play late in the game that alters the momentum of this game and wins it for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win this game 24 The 20 is going to be my final score prediction for this matchup. The last game that we have to talk about, the Dallas Cowboys are going to be taking on the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are a three and a half point favorite for this game. The Dallas Cowboys got past old man Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And there were a lot of people who oddly enough were split on that game. And to be honest, I don't really think... It was too hard to figure out who was going to be the obvious winner of that game. If Dallas showed up and didn't turn the football over, they were going to dominate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that happened. You're going against the San Francisco 49ers, though. And this team is no Buccaneers. This is a team that is well-oiled, top-to-bottom, offensive line is good. Their defense is outstanding. You got... Brock Purdy, who still has yet to lose as a starting quarterback. And you wonder, you know, what Cowboys team is going to show up for this game? Now, you guys know me. I don't decide the outcomes of these games based off history, okay? So if you're telling me the Cowboys are going to lose the 49ers because they struggle in the postseason... I'm just going to disregard that. History doesn't win championships. History doesn't decide the outcome of games. What decides the outcome of games is what you do on the field. So if the Dallas Cowboys play like the team that we saw last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think they got a very good chance at winning this game. Because honestly, I think these two teams are evenly matched. Both of these two teams have fantastic offensive lines. They have incredible rushing attacks with several great running backs. The 49ers have CMC, Elijah Mitchell. The Cowboys have Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott. They have Death at Receiver. The Cowboys have C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, 49ers, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. You have two really good tight ends. 
The defenses are outstanding. Both of these defenses are one and two at force and takeaways. Dallas number one, 49ers number two. So these teams are ideally similar. The only difference between these two teams is that for one team, you trust their coaching staff more than the other. And for Dallas fans, that seems to be the question that seems to get consistently repeated week in and week out when it comes to them in the postseason is, can you trust Mike McCarthy and this coaching staff? For the Dallas Cowboy fans, they're not concerned about their their team or the talent level. Like They know they have the talent. The problem is, is the coaching going to be good enough to beat the 49ers? For the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott had pretty much the best game that we've ever seen out of him for his whole entire career. Without a doubt, it was his best playoff performance. Four touchdowns, no pitch, completed 75% of his passes for 305 passing yards. Can he continue to play mistake-free football? I said this on Twitter, that if Dak Prescott can go through the playoffs only having two turtle turnovers... I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to make it out of the NFC. You look at the 49ers, right? Brock Purdy has played insanely well up to this point. But let me ask you this. Has Brock Purdy faced the defense as good as the Dallas Cowboys? Think about this. If I were to give you a mirror and the 49ers were standing in front of it, you know who they would see in their reflection? The Dallas Cowboys. Everything that the 49ers defense does well, in my opinion, the Dallas Cowboys defense does pretty well also outside of that second cornerback spot. Outside of that, this defense is good on all levels. Defensive line, linebackers, secondary, minus their second cornerback. And for the 49ers, same thing goes for their defense. It's just that the difference is that your second cornerback doesn't have as many question marks as Dallas. But outside of that, these defenses are both pretty evenly matched. They do a lot of things pretty well. So for Brock Purdy, for him going against a defense like this and going against Dan Quinn, one of the best defensive minds in the game, I wonder what kind of looks are the Dallas Cowboys going to throw at Brock Purdy. And this is going to be the first time this season where... I'm going to doubt Brock Purdy. You know, I question just how well is he going to do against this Dallas Cowboys defense? And I'm asking you 49ers fans a fair question. Has Brock Purdy faced a defense that had this level of talent all season long? He hasn't. So against the Seattle Seahawks, he had a good game, but it did take him a while to get going. He kind of started off a little bit flat. But as the game progressed on, he got more confidence and he got harder and harder. And eventually the dude ended the game on absolute fire. Against the Dallas Cowboys, though, against a really tough defense, against a defense that can force takeaways with Dan Quinn at the helm calling the plays, I wonder just how is Brock Purdy going to perform? I think this could be one of the first times this year where we see Brock Purdy kind of struggle. Now, you do have Chris McCaffrey. And although the Dallas Cowboys defense is fantastic, one thing that everybody will point out is their run defense being 22nd statistically. And yes, that is a fair criticism, but here's the thing, though. 
The Dallas Cowboys, I'm pretty sure, have no problem with Brock Purdy beating them. As a matter of fact, you want Brock Purdy to beat you. If you're Dan Quinn, a rookie quarterback, and Brock Purdy throwing the football to win against a defense with this kind of talent, I think you take your chances with it. And if Brock Purdy can slice and dice your defense and you got to switch some things up, then damn, okay, Brock Purdy may be the next Tom Brady. But I think that for Dan Quinn, you know that the strength of this 49ers team is their ability to run the football. And yes, it is going to be hard to, you know, slow that down. The fact that they do a really good job of being balanced. But with Brock Purdy being a rookie quarterback, you trust Dallas defense in this matchup. Now, if Brock Purdy comes out and has a really good game and I'm wrong, then shoot, the 49ers you might as well go ahead and get them the Super Bowl because there's not really too many teams that can beat this squad. And honestly, there aren't too many teams that match up as well as what the Dallas Cowboys do with the 49ers. Outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, no other team really matches up all that well from the NFC side. Now, AFC-wise, I think the only team that really matches up well, with the San Francisco 49ers are the Buffalo Bills because not only do they have a great offense, but they also have one of the best defenses in the NFL also of Leslie Frazier at the helm. So this Dallas Cowboys run defense against Chris McCaffrey and these running backs, you know, it definitely is going to be something that people are going to be talking about. But I think for Dan Quinn, he's going to know that he's going to try to slow that down and force Brock Purdy to have to put the ball in the air and with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, those are their three key components to their offense working. And for Brock Purdy, you get him off timing. I think that Brock Purdy is a really elite distributor of the football. And that's, I think we got to get away from the whole game manager phrase. Sometimes you have quarterbacks who are game managers, but at the same time, you have some quarterbacks who aren't game managers. They just get viewed as game managers because they don't have the strongest arm. They don't push the football downfield a lot. Sometimes you have guys who can actually be elite distributors of the football who just know how to get the ball to receivers in space, and that's something that Brock Purdy does a really good job at. But if he struggles in this game and you can't get the ball out to these receivers... This 49ers offense, what are they? Okay, the run game gets slowed down. Brock Purdy struggles. How do they win this game? Now, you could say their defense because the Jackson, well, the Jacksonville Jaguars showed us a major flaw in the Dallas Cowboys that they're turnover prone. And in big moments, can you consistently trust Dak to show up in those big moments to make those big throws to win without the mistakes? For the 49ers defense, you know, can you bail out your offense if Brock Purdy kind of starts out slow or he does have a great game? If Dallas plays a completely flawless game of football with no turnovers, I think that your defense can hold, but I think eventually they'll crack. This is the best defense in football statistically. But at the same time, you're going against one of the best offenses in football as well. When the Dallas Cowboys are clicking on all cylinders, you see how hard it is to stop this team. But for the 49ers, though, okay, what if Brock Purdy plays well? Well, Brock Purdy continues to play well like he has had up to this point. The Dallas Cowboys, I don't think they're going to be in trouble 
I think the only way Dallas really gets in trouble and the way this game completely gets out of hand and can't completely go in the 49ers' favor is if the Dallas Cowboys have the turnovers and they have a repeat performance of the one that we saw against the Washington Commanders the final week of the regular season. For the 49ers in this game, you like the fact that Dallas has some concerns when it comes to their second cornerback spot. So that definitely is something that can be an exploit at times. This secondary can miss tackles. And one thing about the 49ers offense that makes this offense go is their ability to generate plays after the catch. Debo Samuel, Brandon IU, George Kittle, they're a really tough bunch to stop, especially when they get the ball in their hands. Not to mention Dak Prescott, the turnovers have been a major concern. But outside of that, you know, I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys to win this game. Do I have a lot of confidence in the Cowboys winning this game? No, I don't. But this game is just so evenly matched that it can truly go either way. I got to take Dallas because I do think that this is the best defense that Brock Purdy has faced all season long. And Brock Purdy does have moments where he does look human. And I think if there was a better game for Brock Purdy to come out and look like a rookie, it would be this one. I more so trust Dallas defense against Brock Purdy than I do their offense. And that's the main reason why I'm taking this game. I think eventually Brock Purdy is going to be faced against a defense that's going to find a way to slow him down and force him to struggle. And I think the Dallas Cowboys very well can be that team. And that's why I'm taking them to get the win. I think this is going to be a fairly low scoring affair. I'm going to take Dallas to win. 20 to 17 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking the Cowboys to advance in the NFC Conference Championship game. And this is it for my NFL Divisional Round Preview and Predictions. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that every video and full episode of the podcast that is uploaded on YouTube is available in audio format on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us with a five-star review. We'll greatly appreciate it. Also, share the podcast with your friends family members, and acquaintances. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.